Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia.
first called Terra in the 1890s. So we can understand the ideas of the Quaker self-consciousness before the Civil War. We can understand that life is very valuable and important. really at its height 
and it said that everything was branded and was new, and all the kings around the world had brought new gifts to worship God, and some of these gifts were even silver. So it was a very long, uh, high, uh, high, not quite high, but it was you know quite successful reign. Now, what's fascinating to me is that this is 1928, which is topping probably a 13th century example. And so this, this leader's name has come down through the ages, and, and now we're reading it again in the 21st century uh, at the same passage. So his name, he, his intention was that he should live forever as a king that can take another life off, and it seems like he's actually done quite a good job because through you know a series of uh, toppings, so-called deeds, he's become a beneficiary of the lamp and the council. And so that's how the lamp would have functioned Islamic societies, it functions similarly in Europe. Many of these were created, uh, not a great deal surprised they would have used silver and copper, and they would have been used actually uh, put in the oriental Turkish uh, spaces that were created in Europe at the time. So everybody obviously fashioned machines all the time, and in the, the 19th century, there's the fashion for Turkish modern Persian looms with great rugs, furnishings and these lamps would have either sat on a windowsill or on a table or possibly even on the beams of the basement. And so it actually fits quite well into the fabric of all of that back then in terms of its function. Now if we look from this lamp to the great king behind, which is also came into the gallery in 1921 and was built in 1927, we can see some very similar ideas at play. At the center, Uthman Ghazi, uh, who gave his name, of course, to the Ottoman Empire. His name Uthman translates to Othman, so Ottoman, and that's where Ottoman Empire comes from. He is standing in the middle of this beautiful church with a lovely chapel and a very opulent turban, and behind him is the palace of the Caliph, symbols right here, which you actually are see on coinage from the Ottoman Empire throughout the different uh, ages. Each emperor, of course, each emperor is branded coinage with a different kudra, with a symbol. And what's funny about this kudra is that we actually have an emperor placement. We've talked to Islamic scholars about who did what, but nobody has actually been able to place it yet. And we actually have in the collection, in the gallery collection, coins from the Ottoman Empire in round well as coins from the uh, Sultan, who would have instituted this tradition earlier. So we're not sure uh, exactly whose kudra it is. But the story of this hanging is of course interesting too, uh, as is the story of his entire life. He was born of Turkish origin in the 13th century. He came to prominence to his 
And it said that in his early life, he was profoundly touched by a Sufi saint, a Sufi sheikh, whom he, his, the daughter of which he actually married. And it said that uh, one night while staying in the Sufi's house, uh, he had a very auspicious dream. In this dream, from his chest, a great tree arose and blossomed and just showered the entire land of what we now know as the Ottoman go forth and create this great dynasty uh, and conquer the land, which would become the Ottoman Empire. Now, fascinatingly enough, he must have had a very evocative and interesting relationship with this Sufi, uh, Sufi man. We're not sh quite sure his name, but he evoked this very uh, dream. And I often think that the kind of myriad flowers, these beautiful decorative and food ornaments, are actually meant to represent this dream was entombed in Bursa. Uh, he died in Bursa in the midst of that, that dream. And I don't know if any of you know, Bursa is a small town just across the Marmon Sea on the other side uh, from Istanbul. Very small town, beautiful streams, canals, rivers, whatnot. And his mausoleum was, was established there uh, in the 18th century. And then there was a massive earthquake in around 1848 that killed the mausoleum. So it is quite it is quite possible that this great painting was created either as a kind of fundraising for the mausoleum or just possibly uh, in Istanbul as a way of celebrating the history of the Ottoman Empire. Now what's really fascinating about this piece is that this is not the way that Ottoman empires, emperors are usually presented. They're very rarely the heart of the presenter very rarely the heart of the presentation or director or such. And this leads us to the real beauty of the story with this particular piece. In the late 18th century, uh, one of the sultans, uh, Selim III, who didn't have a very long reign, there was that chance of uh, rebels in to popularize the lineage of the Ottoman Empire throughout Europe. Now, this had happened before. Images, paintings had been sent around Europe for people to see these great Ottoman empires. Europe had a fascination with the Ottoman Empire, and so as much of what came through Asia went through the Ottoman Empire. So it was a place, a very important place in the East Europe. Now, Selim, as you do, being a ruler, you want the most impressive and interesting artists to create Here is a prince of every, every Ottoman Empire from Uthman all the way through the 18th century. And so he talked to the representatives of what he knew as the Babak Company, which was the trading company between Europe and the Ottoman Empire, and said, and they talked to the ambassador of the Ottoman Empire in London, who then spoke with a very well-known artist at the time, James Young, who was a great printer uh, for James I's government. And they, they decided that they would need a series of paintings on which to base these pictographs or prints. And so with that, they sent a series of paintings from the Ottoman Empire, which had been created in the 17th century by a Greek Ottoman painter 
those are rich are rich so please the base now unfortunately between the commission of these prints and their actual production and release throughout Europe in 1815 Salini served as or shall we say deposed from leadership and killed by Mazzini by January of 1815 and so what happened was John Young not having any commission any land he decided to print them himself and so he did and they're actually quite popular a series of prints that went over went over Europe sold quite well and interestingly enough we think that those prints made it somehow to Constantinople or somewhere to Turkey and we believe that they were turned into what's known as carte de visite or photographic cards small photographic cards almost like a postcard which were sold much cheaper to a much larger population because the image that appears on those cards and the image that appears on John Young's prints is almost exactly the same image here's one that I believe so there's a fascinating interchange of how this came about and what's fascinating when you look at the actual image of the prints is that in the what 13th century no there were no mosques then so the mosque is then built in Babylon his standing up again is of European origin and so actually this is a fascinating look at European the influence of European art in iconography and photography on uh, very beautiful paintings which are celebrating the fact of the birth of the religion of the Ottoman Empire now the fabric itself is even more fascinating because the black is actually brushed gold and that's the same type of material that would have been used for military uniforms at this time now that's not saying that it was you know <laughs> a bunch of uh, soldiers used were torn apart and so they were graded on but there would have been large swaths of this material for creating uniforms for soldiers and so it's very interesting that you have this very militant ruler who begot the Ottoman Empire on what's probably the if you look closely at it it's a master class in motifs or shapes of embroidery and stitching pretty much every type of stitching you can imagine is is in there if you look closely it's well worth a close look and just as an aside you can look at the two pieces that sit on the right and left here the one on the right is a 16th century wall tile uh, in classic Bismuth ware uh, this beautiful mirror-like design of flowering uh, tulips and chrysanthemums and then on the left are a series of tiles that actually from Persia but representing the more militant aspects of the narrative in Persia so we get this nice broad section of the Western Empire the last thing I'll say before I go is there's also another new acquisition this very tiny mirror on the right hand side of this case and it looks you would almost lose it because everything else in here is so uh, clingy and big and it shouts at you but look very closely at it the story it tells is quite unique it talks about uh, uh, Persia's engagement with Russia uh, as well as uh, Europe and Turkey as well so very fascinating painted on both on three sides and tells quite a beautiful and elegant story about Persian painting and again this cultural dialogue that was happening with Europe and Asia at the time so with that I'll bid you adieu and thank you very much and come back many occasions I believe this vast emporium will be up until early April 
and then we'll be taking it down uh, to bring the next show, which, which will be called Geoform Japanese Sculpture of Ceramics. And then later in the year, in December, we're going to be having an exhibition celebrating the gift of Michael Abbott. So textiles, sculpture, everything, Southeast Asia, India, uh, historical writing. So thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day.